Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. I don't know what your perspective, your paradigm, your mindset is when it comes to Christ Church. But I'm here to tell you that he's building a powerful church right now. I'm not necessarily just talking about Rock Church. I'm talking about the local and the global church. Are you hearing me? Right? And most of us probably know the scripture. Not only is he building his church, but the gates of hell will not overcome. Right? So to understand this, that Jesus is building this family this army and I don't care what it looks like in this world the church will overcome and prevail you say I don't know about that preacher I've been watching the news well you can either watch the news or you can believe the good news and I'm here to tell you that God is still building his church and you and I get to be a part of it we get to make an impact. Come on now. What a thought that today Jesus would call you and I to be a part of his family, his army, his church. And then he says, together, you and I can make a local and global impact. Give somebody a high five and say, welcome, soldier. Woo. Grab a seat if you can. Wow, we are in the middle of a little mini-series as we break down Rock Church's dream, really the vision that God has given to Rock Church, where Rock Church dreams of a place where together we make a local and a global impact. That's just who we are. That's what we're called to do here in this Anchor Bay community and beyond the bay. Now, I know you can't see it all that good, so I don't want to bring too much attention to it, but to my far right you see the beginning of our vision statement banner getting placed on the wall. Eventually, it's going to be also in this corner, and eventually, it's going to be a lot longer than that because as we go throughout the year, we're going to unveil different aspects of dreams that God has given to Rock Church. Oh, by the way, if you have some free time this week, and you're a little bit on the handy side, and you're not afraid of heights, we could use your help hanging lights and or putting up that banner. If that's you, contact the church or give Jake a hug and a kiss because he could use one today, all right? He could use a little help. So we're going to be putting that up. Hopefully by next week, it'll all be up. Anyways, uh, I want to summarize part one of this little mini-series with a scripture as well as a story. Um, If you remember, part one was the heart, the heart of making a local and global church, right? And remember, it takes heart to make a local and global church. We're not going to make an impact locally or globally without heart. It's going to take heart. And ultimately, it's going to take Christ's heart. And the best way that I can describe Christ's heart is from John chapter 1, verse 17, where Jesus said, where the scripture says that, that Jesus came in grace and he came in truth. That's the heart of Jesus. So as we, as we attempt, right, partnering with the Spirit of God to make an impact locally and globally, we know this, that our message must be 
filled with grace and truth. And not only our message, our lifestyles. Amen? Because we want to have the heart of Jesus. And that's kind of what we got into in part one. I believe that was two or three weeks ago. Um, basically, we got into high compassion and high convictions. Okay, and we cannot lower the bar with our convictions, with our truth, right? Nor can we lower the bar with our compassion. We need to be high in the area of compassion. And we also need to be high in the area of convictions if we want to make an impact locally and globally. That's the heart, right? So now I want to kind of share, share a little story, if, if you don't mind. And this comes from my vacation where I spent a little time with my son. And I don't know how we got on the conversation, but he finally just looked me right in the eye and he said, Dad, I need to talk to you about something that's pretty serious. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to get deep. And he says, Dad, I, I want you to know that when you text people, you tend to send the wrong emojis. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like an expert at this. And he says, you, you, Dad, you just don't, man. You don't, you don't, do we have a picture of them? Yeah, look at all those emojis. I mean, look at all the choices you have. Basically, he's saying the choices that I choose are really bad. And he says, specifically, Dad, uh, let's see if we can get that other one up there. Yeah, he said, he said, that's the one where I make the biggest mistake. And he says, oh, I said, well, how do you know all this? I mean, I don't really text you too many emojis. He goes, oh, well, your staff tells me all the time how horrible you are at sending emojis. <laughs> I said, my entire staff tells you I'm horrible at, at sending emojis? He goes, well, specifically Jake. Jake is really, really <laughs> on your case. He thinks you're, you're clueless when it comes to sending emojis, you know. So I'm like, well, what's wrong with that emoji? And Nick is like, Dad, that's a shock smile. That's a shock smile. I'm like, Nick, that's how I smile. I said, like, what, like when someone says, Pastor, smile, take a picture. I go, I'm always doing that. You know, I don't know that's just who I am. You know, he says, well, th th you're, you're sending the wrong message. You know, and I thought, I said, so, so you're, like you're an expert on this? I mean, do you like to have a, like a, a college degree? You got your master's, your, your master's uh, uh, degree in, in, in emoji sending, you know what I mean? We sent you five years to college, and, and that's all you got from me? He goes, he's like, Dad, well, I didn't get a master's degree in emojis, but, but I can't give you the definition of your favorite emoji, all right? So I'm going to read it to you. Uh, the definition of the emoji that I choose the most, that smiley one, is, is this. Um, it may represent a range of negative or tense emotions, especially nervousness, embarrassment, and awkwardness. And then it says, I-E, eek! <laughs> Got that definition? Help me out here. Did they have it up there? Leave it up there for me, brother. May represent a range of negative or tense emotions, especially nervousness, embarrassment, or awkwardness. Now, it doesn't say it on the screen, but in the definition, it actually said, I-E, eek! So this is what I've been doing for the last... Seven and a half years of emoji sending. I've been sending, you know, great job. Eek! I mean, <laughs> I've been doing that for the last eight years, you know what I mean? And I wonder why when I come to the office, everybody runs in their office and slams the door and hides. I, I've learned a lot. All right. All right. Anyways, uh, I got to thinking about us as Christians. And to us as representing the church. 
And I think sometimes we think, you know, we're, that we have compassion or high compassion. We think we have high compassion. But is it possible that we're, you know, we're expressing the wrong emotions, the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit? Just a thought. And what, really what we're proclaiming and or posting is about a God who doesn't value grace, doesn't really value mercy, forgiveness, favor, blessings, compassion. Then I got to thinking, you know, you know, you know, you know, we think we have high convictions. Some of us really think we have high convictions. We were to go out for a cup of coffee and talk about convictions. You say, I got high convictions. But is it possible that we're conveying to people wrong emotions, wrong attitudes, or wrong spirit when it comes to our convictions? And again, we're proclaiming and or posting about a God that doesn't value truth. He doesn't really care about your moral life. Standards aren't important to God. Holiness isn't important. And obviously, convictions aren't that important. Now, let me make this clear. Using the wrong emojis is generally no biggie. Can I get an amen? amen. Generally, unless you're the pastor, all right? But using the wrong emotions, using the wrong attitude, using the wrong spirit, maybe sometimes even the wrong scripture at the wrong time, how many know you could really mis misrepresent Jesus? Now, I want to make this clear that I'm not asking you to improve your emoji usage, all right? But I am asking you and I to do a better job of representing Jesus. Amen? Um, whether it's our attitude, our spirit, our emotions, our body language, because I think sometimes we think we're, being, we're representing grace and truth really, really well, 100% grace, 100% truth, and, and sometimes we might have the misconception and when we have a misconception of how we're carrying ourselves, we tend to misrepresent Jesus. And if one thing Jesus doesn't need right now in this generation is his church to misrepresent him. Can I get an amen on that? So it's just a challenge. Not only is it a challenge, it's also um, me trying to wreck you for the rest of your life every time you use an emoji. Every time I hope for the rest of your life, every time you think of the face of Jesus. You know, you're, every time you're getting ready to send that mean, nasty emoji to tell your friend off, you think about God's grace and you think about God's truth. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, some of you are like, Pastor, that ain't going to happen. Well, it can at least it happen to the end of the day. Someone say amen. You know what I'm All right, let's get to something a little bit more serious. Um, so, uh, in part one, we got into the heart, right? The heart of making a local and global impact. Today, I want to get into the how. The how. How do Christians and churches make a local and global impact? Because I don't want to get up here and just tell us, Rock Church, it's time we make a local and global impact. I want to do more than that. I want to express through the scriptures how we can do this better. And we have to start with the Holy Spirit. We just do. If we want to have any success, any impact, any influence locally and or globally, do not try to do it apart from the Spirit of God. We must partner with the Spirit of God or we're not going to make an impact. God works in us and then he works through us. 
Amen to that? So whether it's one-on-one when it comes to an impact or making a local and global impact, it takes God's power. So that should be a no-brainer. That should be a gimme. And for some of us, we're like, I don't seem like I'm making much of an impact in a one-on-one, in my family, at work. You fill in the blank. It might be that you're trying to do it without the power of God, you know? Because when you partner with the power of God, all of a sudden you will start seeing yourself making an impact. Now go to Romans chapter 12. We'll get there in just a little bit. But I want to share two big principles on how to make a local and a global impact. And the first one, if you're taking notes, A is transformations. Transformations. Lives that get transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit are keys to making local and global impacts. I'm here to tell you that some of the best marketing, the best promotion for the Anchor Bay area is your life and my life being radically changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It just is. And if we don't believe that, we're going to be in big trouble because we're going to put tons of pressure on our greeters and way too much pressure on our coffee. And I'm here to tell you right now, some of the best promotion and the best advertisement to the Anchor Bay area is your life and my life being radically transformed. Right? It really is. So in Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read uh, from the heart of the Apostle Paul here. We'll start in, in verse 1. Uh, where he says this, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. And then Paul says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect will. I'm going to read verse 2 again, if you don't mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So listen, Christians and local churches that make a cultural and a kingdom impact, just from this verse alone, It's crystal clear. They no longer conform to the patterns of this world. Amen? They just don't. They don't practice the principles of this world. They don't don't believe the things that the world believes anymore. We just sang a song about philosophies of man. All right, their, their belief system is changed. They're no longer conformed to the belief system of society, right? As well as their behaviors. They don't conform anymore to what the world has to say. And, the, and then it talks about how their patterns, their beliefs, and their behaviors are transformed. See the difference? So one, the first thing is, according to the Apostle Paul, is... is our hearts and our minds are, are, are no longer conforming. They're actually transforming to become more like Jesus, right? What happens is the Holy Spirit begins to work on us as Christians, work on us as a church, and our minds and our hearts and our beliefs and our behaviors get transformed, all right? And as a result of that, 
people begin to take notice of what's going on in your life because you're not the same. You used to be a caterpillar, but now you are a butterfly. Somebody say amen. That's actually what the word transform means. It means to, to morph, all right? All right? And, and many scholars will talk about how a caterpillar goes into becoming a butterfly. And I want you to know, when you're a little kid and you see that caterpillar come out of his cocoon and all of a sudden becomes a butterfly, you take notice, right? You take notice. And that's kind of what's going on here in the book of Romans. So I want us to listen to this next statement. Lives transformed by the Spirit of God are contagious. They're flat out contagious. Now some of you are thinking, Pastor, it's a little bit too soon to talk about things that are contagious. Okay, maybe it is. But this is huge. And this is missing in a lot of our modern day churches. I'm here to tell you that, that lives transformed and or changed by the Spirit of God are contagious. They're contagious. A local impact happens when there is buzz in the community about lives that have gotten radically transformed. That's what happens. A local impact begins to happen, okay, when lives in the community get radically transformed. You'll get buzz in the community. And I'm going to prove that to you through the scriptures first, because I'd rather prove it through the scriptures than just tell you a bunch of stories, all right? We'll get to the stories. But here's one. The woman at the well in John chapter 4. She finally got transparent. Then Jesus began to transform her, right? And then she goes back to Samaria, okay, and a little mini revival broke out. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there was some buzz in the town, right? And oh, by the way, you and I have been sharing about the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 for 2,000 plus years we've been telling her story. Just from one transformed life, we're telling stories about how God, if he can transform that woman who had five husbands, you have hope. Someone say amen, right? And then, and then, and then um, in John chapter 9, this is great stuff. A man is born blind, and he gets healed, and he gets radically transformed and he actually quotes the famous words, I once was blind, but what? Now I see. And I'm telling you, read it in John chapter 9. The town is buzzing, and oh, by the way, okay, songs are written about one guy who once was blind, but now can see. The buzz in the community. In Acts chapter 2, it's great stuff. P Peter, who publicly denied Jesus three times, he preaches with power. He talks about visions. He talks about dreams. He talks about repentance. He talks about forgiveness. Ultimately, he talks about salvation. Now, understand that this fisherman, this coward at the cross, is now transformed by the Holy Spirit. You want to talk about buzz. Talk about buzz. This common fisherman, this dude that was afraid of a little girl, Read it, all right? It's transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and as a result of that, there is buzz in Jerusalem. Acts 9, um, Saul was transformed into the apostle Paul, thank you, and he became a church pillar 
and he wrote the majority of the New Testament. This guy becomes the New Testament author, the main author of the New Testament. Now, I know I share this, this part a lot, but I, I, sometimes I wonder if we're, we're, we're grasping this. When a terrorist gets changed to be like Jesus and begins to function in grace and in truth, there is going to be buzz in the town, you know? And there's also going to be critics, and Paul faced both. People were buzzing about this terrorist that got radically changed, but people also had, had their, you know, they were apprehensive because they weren't really sure if it was true. How many know if a terrorist gets changed, you want to make sure that they were changed by the power of God, right? And, and there was a lot of criticism with Paul, but ultimately there was a lot of buzz. I'm going to say something that can be taken out of context, but I want us to, to grasp this a little bit. I really believe that this next statement is, is, is kind of like a, really a word for Rock Church. And it simply goes like this. We can try to compete with all these modern-day attraction models, or we can cry out for God's anointing to set the captives free. All right? I'm going to ask you to stand for two seconds. Everybody stand for two seconds. All right? I'm going to ask you to jump up and down like four times. And I move your hands a little bit. Pretend like you're Pentecostal, all right? You know, if you want to do the chicken dance, you can do the chicken. I don't care what you do, okay? All right. Give somebody a high five and grab a seat. Give somebody a high five and grab a seat. You say, Pastor, that was corny. It was corny, but here's the point. It's time to wake up, all right? We can't miss this. We can't miss what we're, going with, what we're doing here. We can try to compete, guys. Now, I said that you can take this out of context, okay, because everybody thinks that that means, you know, we take away our microphones, we take away our projectors, and we take away the complimentary coffee. That's not happening, all right? All right. Or, or, or we can cry out for God's anointing, right? We can try to compete with what everybody else is trying to do, or we can just say, God set captives free. Because all I know is this, buzz in the community happens when addicts walk in freedom. I'm gonna tell you right now, buzz in our community happens when the greedy get generous. And some of you out there right now, you are extremely greedy. My boy Solomon comes up here to give the, give the announcement and, you're, and you pretend you gotta use the restroom. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And you're like, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want to hear about money, whatever it is. I'm going to tell you right now, when a greedy, greedy person all of a sudden becomes extremely generous, the town wakes up. I'm just saying. When victims start walking in victory. Does anybody in your life where, and they're, they're blaming the government, and they're blaming their parents, and they're blaming their siblings, when they stop being the victim and they start walking in victory, there will be buzz in the community, or at least in that individual surrounding relationships. When the religious become righteous, come on now, church. When those filled with anxiety and fear walk in faith and freedom. There's buzz in the community when the sexually immoral live pure and holy. Did you hear that? Anybody who, who is in relationship with anybody who you know right now that is just living immoral and all of a sudden they get saved and sanctified, right? 
And no longer are they, excuse my French, horn around, but they are set free. I want you to know right now, the town will wake up. The town will wake up. You know, when spectators become servants, I'm telling you, it's just amazing what happens in our churches today. If, if people that, that have gone for five years, eight years, 15 years, and your friends know that you go to church every Sunday kind of a thing, it doesn't move them pretty much at all. But all of a sudden, they hear that you are a servant of God. Look out. Right? When, when those races lead a movement towards reconciliation, I'm telling you, there's buzz in the community. When the truth is setting and setting and setting captives free, there's, there's buzz in the community. When sinners begin to brag about God's amazing grace, his amazing mercy, God's amazing forgiveness, I want you to know you and I will make a local and a global impact. I mean, years ago, shortly after I gave my life to Christ, um, Got pretty radically, radically saved and pretty radically transformed. Um, and in those days when you said yes to Jesus, uh, you dropped a lot of things at the altar right away. For some reason today, it takes like 37 years, you know. Um, I don't mean that self-righteously. I'm just sharing my testimony. And uh, a friend of mine uh, came into town. He was in the Marines. And he came into town to see me. So I went to my house. And, and I wasn't home. I was playing softball. Um, and he started talking to my mom and dad. And my mom and dad said something to, to the effect of, Angelo's playing softball. Oh, by the way, he thinks he's Jesus. <laughs> you know? And I know that because when my friend finally ran into me, he came up to me and he said, hey, your mom and dad said you think you're Jesus. I said, no, I don't think I'm Jesus. I've just been radically transformed and changed by Jesus. Now understand that the last time this guy came into town, he brought Hawaiian weed with him. He smuggled Hawaiian weed with him to Michigan. So he shows up at the softball field and he's just anticipating smoking weed with Angelo. And I said, listen, I said, I don't do drugs anymore. I don't do crack, smack, or applejack, all right? I said, I've been changed. I just, I, I just don't do that. I get high on Jesus, you know? Now, you might think that's kind of corny. It's only corny if you've never been high on Jesus, you know? And he was just freaking out. He, was like, he, he didn't know what to do. And this guy was, uh, he was a little bit on the intellectual side. Some of you are thinking, how smart could he be? He's smuggling Hawaiian weed, all right? But nevertheless, he was kind of on the intellectual side, and he was also on the religious side, to some degree. And for the next two months, this guy debated theology with me, debated religion with me. Now, I'd only been a Christian at this time maybe four months, I'm guessing. And for two months, we're debating, we're debating, and we're debating. I bring him to a church service. The Word of God is preached, and this guy crawls to an altar, and he gives his life to Jesus. And just, oh, by the way, he is still radically transformed. I mean, this guy is still on fire for Jesus. Now, I can't say every friend that smoked Hawaiian weed crawled to an altar. 
okay? But I can't say this guy did. And I won't lie and act like revival broke out in East Point. Revival didn't break out in East Point, but there was some buzz in East Point. And I'm not talking about that kind of buzz. Amen? There was some buzz in East Point. And people began to talk about how this guy and Angelo had, had, had become Christians, and now their lives were transformed. I'm just trying to get us to see, guys, that, 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 that transformed lives wake up dead lives. I'm just saying. Now, this may seem a little bit, you know, stepping on some toes kind of a thing, but people going to church services do not make a local or global impact. They just, they just don't. I'll say it again. People going to church services don't make local or global impact. It is people transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that ignite local and global impacts. It's really the difference. I mean, the common person in Anchor Bay is not moved by churches packed out every Sunday. The common person in Anchor Bay, their, 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 their attention rises up when blind eyes are opened up. Are you hearing me? They begin to want to know what's going on in that place. They begin to want to rub shoulders with that, that community of people when they find out that those people have been really radically transformed and or changed. So here's my thought. If our so-called Christianity, guys, if it doesn't lead to our hearts, our relationships, our social media post and or our social media pictures, if it doesn't lead to our lifestyles being radically transformed, then don't expect to make a local or global impact. Just don't. I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just saying, if, if, you know, if we still believe and behave like we did before we believed, there will be no impact, locally or globally. Maybe a better way of saying that is, is, is and let's just lay it on the line. If, if we're still conforming, right? If we're still lying, if we're still partying the same way the world's partying, you know, if we're still sleeping around like the way the world's sleeping around, how many know most likely you're not going to make an impact? How many of that's a gimme? And what Paul's trying to get people to understand here is that the church is called to really make a powerful impact locally and globally. All right? And, and again, going back to Romans chapter 12, he's basically saying, don't conform to the patterns of this world anymore. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're living in the will of God. Someone say amen, right? And I'm paraphrasing that, but that's, that's basically what he's saying here. And I'm trying to get us to see that, that, that one of the best ways to impact the world and just impact our city is for our lives to no longer conform to how society lives. Now we live how the Savior has asked us to live. I'm just saying. I'm just being real. I'm being real with you that, that, that that's what happened in the early church. And I believe it's going to happen in today's church. Amen? And the gates of hell will not, what? Will not prevail. And I would even go as far as to say this. If we want to shut up church critics, let's ask God to transform us. Because a lot of people, you know, like to, like to take shots at, at, at the church. You know, whether it's all about money or they just 
robbing your time or brainwashing you, whatever, whatever, whatever the argument is, if we want to shut up the critics of the church, I'm here to tell you, ask God to transform us. Because they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, right? There's just something about a, a life that's been, a testimony that's been transformed that shuts critics up. When you once were blind and now you see, come on now. When you used to be an addict and now you're free, hello. When you used to live immoral and now you live holy, I want you to know that tends to shut critics up, amen? It just does. It just does. See, hearts transformed lead to, lead to homes transformed, and homes transformed lead, lead to neighborhoods being transformed. And neighborhoods transformed, I want you to know what happens. It leads to cities being transformed. And cities transformed have a tendency to lead to schools that are being transformed. And schools that are transformed tend to lead nations that are transformed. Are you hearing me? It's just kind of how it works. And the early church, again, their lives were wrecked, and I mean that in a good way. They were transformed, and that built the momentum. That built some buzz in the community, and people said, hey, we want to join your community because ain't no one else got the power to change lives. Whew. I'm believing this more than you are. Hallelujah. Okay. So how do we make a local and global impact? A is, is transform lives transformed marriages, right? Transformed cities through the power of the Holy Spirit. And B would be together. Go to Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you noticed that this dream, this pillar, starts with the word what? Together, right? Together we make a local and a global impact. See, making a local and global impact doesn't happen on your own. So take the pressure off. Take the pressure off of you. I mean that. Impacts take a team, and impacts take the power of God. And I would even go as far as to say as this, is impacts, impacts take one another, right? They take unity. They take us. So take that, take that, that, that burden off. The Bible tells us that Christians and the church do lots of things together. I'm going to share just a few things. That the, and I could go on forever here. But the Bible says we are connected together. Come on now. We're built together. We belong together. We are heirs together. We worship together. We serve together. We are powerful together. And we will be caught up and are raptured in the clouds together. Whew. And I'm cutting it short. All right, go to Acts 2. Because I want to talk about Pentecost for just a little bit. The power of Pentecost happened. In fact, let's just read about the power of Pentecost. I should have told you to turn there earlier. But Acts 2, let's just read verse 1. Because it still says this. When the day of Pentecost came, all right, they were all what? Together in one place. Other translations say they were in one accord or they were in unity. And I want you to know that Rock Church still dreams of a place that makes a mammoth and local impact. And that happens when we are together. All right? It's not going to happen if we're not together, if there's not unity. One mind, one heart, one attitude, one spirit all together. 
Now I want you to listen to Acts chapter 2, and we'll read verse 42 through uh, 47, all right? Scripture says this, talking about the early church and the disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, in summary, the believers were together. They were together in the temple. Some would say that's the church. They were together in homes. Friends, they were together eating. I told you this stuff is scriptural, right? They served together. They praised God together. And I love verse 46. It says their hearts were together. But did you notice the impact of being together? That's the question, because the impact of being together is Acts 2.47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, it sounds like to me that together they made an impact. You see right there the power of being together. Now, I'm going to show you a list of some summer outreaches. I think we have that for the screen. I'm not going to break this into too much detail. But they're on the screen there for you. If you got your phone, maybe take a picture of that. Just appease the pastor, you know. Fake it. Do, you know, send me an emoji. All right. Anyway. I'm not going to go through it in too much detail because, because you can, like I said, you can take a picture of that. But we have a massive opportunity this summer to make a local impact. We're not just doing one outreach. We're doing like 10, 10 different outreaches. And I want you to know we will make a greater impact if we all sign up what? Together. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not asking you to sign up for every outreach. I might not even be at every outreach, especially if some of them don't have food. I'm not coming, all right? <laughs> but I am asking you and or challenging you to sign up for one or two. And I would even say this, that, that, that maybe the thing to do is to go to your coordinator, your director, and say, let's sign up for some of these outreaches, or at least one of these outreaches, let's sign up as a team, what? Together, all right? I.e. would be, you know, all the, the creative arts people sign up for one of these outreaches, and they serve together. Or all the greeters sign up for one of these outreaches, and they serve what? Together, all the cafe people sign up for one of these outreaches or two of these outreaches, and they serve together. There's just power when the church works together. Are you hearing me? Now, in the early days of Rock Church, this was something that I guess you could say was very organic. It happened uh, relatively easy. Now, no outreach is easy, okay? But when we tried to mobilize the crowd to go into the community, it happened. We had high percentages of people. The last few years or so, I'm not sure what it is, but for some reason we can't seem to mobilize the multitudes to join us on some of these outreaches. 
I think to some degree we get caught up in thinking that this big building is going to cause buzz and bring people in. I'm here to tell you that the best way to bring people in is transform lives working together. Amen? That's not a rebuke. It's just a challenge. It's just a challenge. We all have 24 hours in a day. I know some of us have different kinds of schedules and, you know, two kids, five kids, nine kids, whatever it might be, all right? But I'm here to challenge us and encourage us to say our city needs hope. I said our city needs hope. And most of these outreaches are not necessarily geared towards Jews standing on a soapbox and preaching to the multitudes. Most of them are servant-related. We're going to win our city by serving our city. Are you hearing me, friends? When they see us serving together, okay, and they see transformed lives serving together, we're praying for buzz in the community. Are you hearing me? All we're trying to do is grab a bunch of seed and sling it across the bay and sling it into New Haven and sling it into Richmond and hope that some of that seed lands in some really good soil and they become fruitful as well. Amen? So hopefully you took a picture of that and you consider, strongly consider, signing up for one or two of these outreaches because Rock Church still needs to make a local and a global impact. I want you to watch this video, and I hope it inspires you to get involved in some of our outreaches. When I first moved out here, um, I had been seeing a lot of um, people coming and going from The Rock. The sign said, A Church Without Walls. It just really intrigued me. and. Um, I went to my cousin's house for the Fish Fry um, Festival Parade, and there were so many people in that parade. There were so many orange shirts in that parade. You couldn't tell where um, the rock started and where it ended. And towards the end, um, there was a guy that stepped over the, um, the kids in front of me to hand me water. And he said the most amazing thing to me. He said, there's a place for you here, which was such a big thing because I was on my own. I was a single mom. Um, I'd moved away out, like out on my own for the very first time, and it was just me and my kids. And just to know that there was a place for us, it was absolutely amazing. And of course, we came the very next week, but it was just the most amazing feeling coming through the door. And I was greeted by a woman who just seemed to be waiting for me. It was so peaceful and amazing. And we've been here for 12 years. I've watched my kids grow up here. Um, I've seen miracles. I've gotten to be a part of so many ministries and just see God work in and through our lives in amazing ways. And that water changed our lives. You never know. Like, that water not only changed our lives, but the lives of everybody that we've met so far. on? Thank you. Impact one. I think about one mission, one vision, one dream, one heart, and winning one more Wendy to Jesus. You know? Wouldn't that be powerful? Can you imagine if we spent the entire summer in 94 degree heat and we get another Wendy? That's pretty powerful. And I'm here to say that we can make even a greater impact 
I just want to encourage us. We have a great opportunity, guys. Our generation is desperate for truth and grace. What an opportunity we have to model, transform lives in our community. You say, well, won't they just show up? They might. I mean, if there's buzz, won't they just pop in? They might. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, go and tell and come and see. Didn't he say that? I mean, 2,000 years ago, go and tell and come and see. Go and tell and come and see. So it's not either or. It's both, right? You know, it's both. God's clearly called the church to go and tell as well as, as, well as come and see. So what we're going to do this summer is we're going to go and tell and ask them to what? Come and see. Come and see what? Pastor Angelo in his pink shirt? Absolutely not, right? <laughs> Come and see the Lord Jesus Christ transforming lives. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see how Jesus is still active in the church today, and he's still changing lives. Amen? Because listen, guys, churches that are unified together and outreach focus will make impacts. I say that as COVID comes to a close. I, I say that prophetically. Um, that's a huge statement. I believe this, and most of the data says the same thing. As this pandemic comes to a close, Churches that are unified together and outreach focused, they're the ones that are going to make the impact. And the churches that don't obey Jesus when it comes to go and tell and come and see, they're not going to make the impact that they could have made. Are you hearing me? So my challenge to us, and you're like, I've never been on an outreach before. I don't even know what you're talking about. Can you hand a water to somebody? Right? I doubt very much if the apostles, when Jesus told them to feed the 5,000 fish and garlic bread, right? I doubt very much if they'd ever done that before. And it became a natural overflow of who they were. They were going to meet the needs of the needy. Amen? So if this is your first time ever signing up for an outreach, we love first-time outreach people. You want to know why? Because they're kamikaze for Christ and they're contagious, right? They got me sitting in some fancy car. I ain't happy about it, you know? I like to be on the streets jumping over little kids and knocking over little old ladies for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you get me on one of those, the parade, you get me on the parade and I lose my mind. I lose my mind. I mean, I'm like a maniac for Jesus, right? Now they're like, Pastor, it's time to hand the baton. Well, why? Because you have a bad knee, a bad shoulder, and three herniated discs in your back. Okay. So I'm sitting in some fancy car, waving like a politician. You know? I need your transformed life on the streets, and you and I making an impact together. Someone say amen. They won't let me out of the car. I'm just telling you the truth. Real quick, before we, before we pray and have a little altar time, let me define and describe the word impact. It means to influence, to affect, to influence, to affect, and to collide with power. That's what the word impact means. 
See, together the church is called to influence, affect, and collide with God's power in our culture, in our society. And that's how you make a local and a global impact. That helps big time. You want to make an impact? You've got to collide with power. You sure can't, you, you sure can't conform. You collide. Someone say amen. Right? Jeremiah 15, 19. Listen. Let these people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. Isn't that powerful? Let the people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. Don't conform like they are. Collide with them, right? I always say this when it comes to outreach. Who is influencing who and who is impacting who? Who's going to impact who? Who's going to influence who? Is the modern church going to continue to allow society to impact and influence us? Or are we going to go on the offense and begin to influence and impact them? Someone say amen, right? Who will influence who? Let these people turn to you, but you don't turn to them, right? You don't, you don't pick up their beliefs. You don't pick up their behaviors. You don't conform to their patterns of life. They turn to your transformed life. Someone say amen. Hopefully we're getting this a little bit. This is old school preaching, but it, but it still works today. Again, culture doesn't conform to us. It doesn't affect us. It doesn't influence us. The church is the influencer when it comes to culture. Right, let me ask you a question. Let me tell you a thought. Kimmy and I have been talking a lot lately. Um, and the reason why is because We've had a lot of, you've heard me say this, but we've had a lot of people in our life who have made an impact on us go on to their eternal reward in the last two years. And Kimmy just kind of, we were just like crying in the living room about 10 days ago. And really our thought was simply this, you know, are we making the same impact that they made? You know, are we individually making an impact? We're like challenging each other, and I'm lifting her up and saying, you're making a great impact, honey. And she's like, honey, you're making a great impact. And we're just feeling like a bunch of losers for Jesus, you know what I'm saying? But we're just kind of like challenging ourselves. We're challenging ourselves in these last days to make an impact. And we're questioning whether we're making an individual impact. And I got to thinking about this a little bit, and, I, you know, I said, Kim, Ultimately, that's really not so much God's plan, or let's get the pressure off. And I want to take the pressure off of you, because you're not necessarily called to make an individual impact as much as you are called to make a local impact together. You see the difference? So we got set free in our living room by saying, let's get the pressure off. Okay, can we make impacts one-on-one? -on -one? Amen. But together, I want you to know what right now, we can make a more impactful influence and or impact in our community. Are you hearing me? That's bad English, but I think you get the point. And too many people are trying to individually make an impact. And you're not making the impact that you could be making because you're not doing it together. Give me that next slide. Because I want to read this again. 
There is really no plan or pressure to make an impact individually, but there is Holy Spirit power to make a local and impact together. And I don't want you or I to try to do it on our own because God doesn't really call us to do it on our own. He has called you to be part of a team. He has called you to be part of a family. He has called you to be part of an army, and it is called the church. Would you please stand? Hallelujah. I don't read the Voice newspaper very often. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, you should. When I first became part of the Anchor Bay area, I read the Voice newspaper a lot. In the last three or four years, it's helped with uh, starting fires in my backyard. You know what I'm saying? this article caught my attention. Um, someone threw the pages a little bit. I believe it's May 26. I don't know how many of you caught it. But the title is basically The Vital Signs of American Christianity. This is in the voice. For you old school people, this isn't the Pentecostal evangel. You know, this isn't Charisma Magazine. This isn't somebody from, you know, Billy Graham's ministry that posted something. This is the Voice local newspaper. Again, the vital signs of American Christianity. And then it says the subtitle is critical but not terminal. Praise God, you know. And as I read the article, I want you to know, guys, for like the first you know, seven to ten paragraphs, I was hot, I was mad, I was looking for matches, you know, I was going to burn this thing, you know, it was just making me angry as I listened, even though a high percentage of it was true, they were just using stats, it was like they were, at least my first impression was that they were taking some shots at Christians, again, here we go again, taking shots at Christians, and really what it was, was just sharing stats. It's talking about church attendance. A lot of it had to do with church commitments and how they're nosediving in America. So I'm like mad, but at the same time, I'm being convicted, I'm being challenged, right? And ultimately, the article ends pretty well. You know, basically, he ends with, it's critical, but it's not terminal, you know? And I get the impression that whoever wrote this has a little bit of a Christian background because he must know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You know what I'm saying? He must know that. So this is the, this is the voice's voice. Isn't that insightful? What's your voice? You know? Ah, forget that. It's too much pressure. What's our voice? Right? What's our voice to our community? When people think about Rock Church, what are they going to think of? What's our, what's our voice? I would say this. I mean, it's hard to summarize it. But I'll tell you what would be really powerful if, if the voice in the Anchor Bay area about Rock Church is they don't do everything perfect. I don't even like that, Pastor. 
but there's some lives coming out here that are transformed. You know? And not only are they transformed, but they're together. I don't know about you, but there is power in unity. So we can't, you know, we can't, uh, what's the word? Uh, stop uh, every critic and every complaint, every, every negative thought about us as a Christian or us as a church. But there's just something about transformed lives. You know what I'm saying? What are they going to say? If you once were blind and now you see, if you once used to live a certain way and all of a sudden no longer do you live that way, if you used to slander all the time and take shots at, at people and gossip and all of a sudden the Lord Jesus Christ has tamed your tongue, oh, Whew. look out. I guess my, my voice would be simply something to the effect of you know, together, transform lives committed to Christ, make a local and global impact. That's, that'd be my little statement on this article. That together, come on now, transform lives committed to Christ, make a local and global impact. I had a staff meeting. It was actually a chapel meeting. We do it once a month where we just pray, read scripture, do devotions, whatever it might be. Stop working for about an hour and just seek Jesus. And I had the staff read this article. My summary of what they had to say was right here. Together, transform lives committed to Christ make a local and global impact. Amen? I'm going to ask that you do something a little crazy. Some of you are going to be mad at me, and that's okay. If you're comfortable, um, this altar's open. I want to sing a song together. So if you're not comfortable because of COVID, I'm cool with that. But if you're comfortable, I want to sing that song that we sang earlier with a little bit of passion. Amen? So Father, I pray right now you help us as a church to realize that our better days are ahead of us. They're not behind us. And you are still building your church. And there is no plan B, absolutely no plan B. Plan A is still the church, the family, the army of God, transformed, serving together, will make the local and the global impact. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.